Let's drop the green flag on this episode of the Talent Tank Podcast with your host, Wyatt Pemberton, bringing you the best, fastest, most knowledgeable personalities in Ultra 4 and off-road racing. All right, we're out here at Laser Town, the Talent Tank, another little fill-in here at King of the Hammers. It's an awesome time right now. We're sitting down with Chris May, May Motorsports, the 725-4400 racer. Chris, welcome, and thanks for sitting down with me. Oh, thanks for having me, man. This is an awesome experience. And ain't it a beautiful day? It is beautiful. We are sitting out here in the middle of the desert, Laser Town. It's a pretty cool place, and this is awesome, man. Yeah, Cody Wagner hooking us up with Laser Town. He's, again, I can't thank him enough. This place is an eclectic person's dream. For sure, for sure. Just sitting here being being from the East Coast, you know, these mountains and everything, it's just, it's pretty cool, man. But without all the dust. All, yeah, all the dust. Yeah, the dust would be, less dust would be nice right now, but this is awesome. Yeah, we're all breathing that. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so so right now we actually, Caleb, the, our amazing camera guy today, we sat and talked about which direction we were going to shoot today and showing Hammertown off to our north over here, off to my right is, you can hardly see it, it's shrouded in dust cloud from the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people recreating out here well chris south carolina guy yeah man south carolina i was uh born and raised in fort lauderdale florida and moved to the upstate of south carolina and been there ever since and so i met you in around 2008 xra yep when we were all nobodies that's right but there's something about you that absolutely fascinates me it's the fact that here we are this is 2020 you've been racing nonstop for almost 20 years recreating off-road yeah i've been i just i love it man it's it's what i do i mean i've been just pecking away at it you know what i'm saying i haven't i haven't really killed it one king of the hammers but man i've been steady at it and you know pretty decent i mean we're we're pretty good team and we're and we're getting better so it's it takes takes a lot of money (laughs) and, and you have the same guys that have been with you since like 2001, 2002, 2003. <laughs> they, they've changed, but the same people helped me. And I mean, you know, it's crazy story of, of what, what I've done and the people that have helped me. And, you know, I guess we can get into that. But, but yeah, we've been, I literally got into full wheeling in 98, probably in high school with some good buddies. You know, Drew Goldie kind of got me into this. And Drew Goldie was like a, like a ranger guy. Yeah, we were all, that's it. It's funny. You know, I, I, uh, you know, so I mean, I guess just go into the story. Right? Yeah, right, absolutely. So, right. I, I love Drew Goldie stories. He's, right, he's well, a riot. This is this is kind of like how the full wheeling began. I uh, I pretty much was in auto mechanics in high school and met this guy Drew Goldie talking about full wheeling a Ford Ranger, and I had a Ford Ranger, but mine was two wheel drive. So like, uh, you weren't quite know. as cool. Yeah, it wasn't quite as cool. So uh, I think he had like a four inch Trailmaster lift already and stuff, but uh, some thirty threes or something. Anyways, six months later, I had me a four-wheel drive Ford Ranger, teamed up with Drew. We went pretty much to Teleco all the time. Teleco was, that was back when Teleco, Tennessee was... That's at Murphy, it, North Carolina. Yeah, and it was it, in North Carolina. And, and, well, it was in Murphy, North Carolina, then you had like State Line Campground, which is Tennessee, North Carolina right there. But uh, I remember it being 119 miles from my doorstep, and we used to drive up there all the time. And what year did Teleco get shut down? Man, like, I don't really remember. We had by 2010, it was it, it been it, shut down. It like my full wheeling life went from Teleco to Jellico, so it was kind of so similar how they were the same thing. But yeah, it somewhere in there, I don't know when it got shut down. 
and one night in Jellico. That was a good party. Oh man, yeah, the Jellico things were crazy. And then it's just funny how the, all that snowball didn't go into Jellico because really and truly, I don't know if you remember the you remember the four wheel drive jamborees. Yeah. You know, mud drag and all that. We we I finally built my little Ford Ranger up with like thirty threes. You know, that was like the bomb back then, and did some mud mud drag racing out there, tough trucking it. Some guy was like, "Oh man, we go to Teleco all the time." So we looked it up, and that's how we found Teleco. Well, then uh, my Ranger, I realized Ford Rangers they don't suck, but for full wheeling, I broke. Dan, I had a Dana twenty eight and welded the front end, and I broke axles everywhere I went, man. And it was just. And now look where you're at, you yeah, know. Yeah, I'm still, still full breaking stuff. Yeah, yeah full no. custom axles and everything. No. But no, that uh, that Ford Ranger stuff led me going to Teleco, and man, I seen this guy in a Toyota truck. I'm a Toyota nut. and uh, I've never known you not to be a Toyota guy, so when I found out you, you had a Ranger, I was quite shocked yeah, by that. Yeah, so, you know, the, uh, the uh, Toyota stuff, I got in the Toyotas, and then we started going to Teleco, and... But then, obviously, the dual cases and long fields and all that evolved, and... I uh, we did like a local competition at the Greenville Pick and Speedway, and uh, there was a guy there named Chris Durham. You know, I didn't I didn't really know who he was. Durham. Yeah, and he was already like a badass in his own time. You know, he was winning a bunch of events, and uh, well, he's still a badass. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure, he's still killing it, doing all the full wheeling stuff, ultimate adventure and stuff. And actually, just he just came to the shop the other day, brought me some parts. So it's kind of cool how that we still that circle that twenty circle, years have exactly. gone by. Yeah. But I remember him having front dig, and, you know, it was like, oh, man, this is the coolest thing ever. And then he told us about Jellico. Man, it wasn't a couple months later we went and watched Jellico. But even at that event, it was so crazy. They had, like, a uh, Chris Durham, but there was Ken Shoup there. You remember Ken Shoup? Yeah, Ken Shoup, yeah. He showed up in one of his new rigs, and Chris Durham had just built one of his new rigs. So it was like, here I was. Gosh, I don't know. I was, they were legends. They were, yes. they were like pillars oh, yeah. of the the wheeling community at so, that time. Yeah, and we teamed up with Ken Shoup and started hauling his cars around out west, the Supercrawl and all that. But then met you know met Durham and told us about Jellico and man I went to my first competition in Jellico in a Toyota on thirty fives you know and man it's just I've literally been competing ever since ever then. since it, what made you actually like go to XRA it was just a, the sport was evolving I remember you know I had a Toyota twenty two RE with long fields and all that and uh, you know obviously the Campbells were coming and they were I don't remember if they had LS they had big motors back then or they had Turbo Ecotex and all that <clears throat> but then XRA came on the scene and everyone started doing it. And I did it with my four-cylinder 22RE, you know, and, you know, we didn't win anything, but we were there, and we were finishing races and meeting people, and that's where I met the, you know, Stan and Brandon, that's where I met the Brannett crew, Circle of Life, you know, we're still dang. The circle just, of Life. Circle of life. <laughs> we're, still, we're still killing it 20 years later, like you said. No, it's really cool. Like, just even last night, just rolling around in the pits, like, stopping by Team Indiana and seeing those guys, and it's like, you know, we may live in different parts of the country, but we run into each other in these locales that are not our hometowns we actually travel to go see each other you know birds of a feather flock together that's right and i and i I was thinking before this interview how did i become a part of team indiana you know i got my little fire pit placard so i'm part of team indiana but i'm from south carolina and it's just because i think it dates back like the rock crawling maybe some josh wilson was rock crawling and scooby and then we just I don't know. I was kind of Rusty Bray was in the mix. Yeah, heavily. I was. I was kind of a loner. That South Carolina. There's nobody really from the Carolinas that was doing the. I don't know the Ultra Four stuff, and I just kind of found them guys. And man, we have some good time. You're a lone wolf from the Carolinas. Yeah, huh? yeah, that's it. So, <clears throat> and then you, your first KOH out here was 09. That's right, 09 KOH. And then have you missed racing a single year since 2009? Yeah, I, uh, I came out in 09. I didn't have a spot. Back to Drew Goldie. He kind of got teamed up with Griffin I think you know 
It's funny, on your, one of your later episodes, or your last episodes, Dave Cole was talking about Boyd, Texas, the Nationals. Yeah. Well, man, we went, it's kind of a sidetrack, but the way I was able to go to all these events, I'm serious, I was broke as heck. Drew Goldie's dad, Drew got into it, we both, we met this guy named Tommy Glenn, and uh, it's funny, I uh, he was like, uh, hey, Tommy, how much for a cage in one of my Toyotas? And he was like, oh, I don't know, seven or eight hundred bucks. Like, oh, man, I ain't got no money for that. I uh, paid some guy across town like 300 bucks to build me a cage. Went full wheeling, and I was the type of guy, man, I was, I was going to send it up every obstacle and <laughs> flipping it over and all that, you know. And finally, Tommy came to me, and, you know, this is years ago by. He says, uh, hey, man, I'll build you a cage if you, uh, if you just uh, furnish the materials. Well, that saying led into, hey, man, we ought to build a buggy. I was like, man, I ain't got the money for that. Hey, I'll build you a buggy if you furnish the materials. And literally, Tommy Glenn has built every chassis, including this one, that I've ever raced. And his so, skill set has just gone. Yeah, and he's not, I mean, like, right now, if you called him to build a chassis, prob- I mean, he probably would, but he doesn't, he, he was just doing it as, like, he was into foiling. He still is, but he's really doing it as a favor to us, I think. He joined just hanging out with us, hanging out at the shop. But, but anyways, back to Drew Goldie. Drew Goldie built a chassis, too, from him. Drew's dad bought, a like, a brand-new excursion, and me and Drew saved it the most money by a, a, a double-car trailer. And Drew's dad said, here's the gas card, here's my excursion. And, man, we went to every event that we possibly go to, including Boyd, Texas, met Dave Cole. And I think Drew actually kind of knew him better than I did and got the Ultra 4 invite. But then I just kind of tagged along. And what was that? That was about 2006, 2007, Supercrawl? Well, it was Boyd, Texas. No, it wasn't Supercrawl. It was like the We Rock R- National Championship. That's what it was. And he, it, it he was- actually won. He was talking about winning it with Brian Elliger and all that. The reason he won is because the competition was so bad, not because his car was so badass. But well, I remember, <laughs> the, I remember the property it was the Gillespies, Brian Gillespie, and uh, and his yeah, dad. Yeah, it was in it was a hole. Property. It was yeah. awesome, and they gun-eyed everything. Little Rich and all them, they did an awesome job building the course. It was yeah. Rich has put on a, a good. I wasn't there. I did live in Texas then, but I, I didn't even know it existed. I didn't even. I think know we what only went there one time. I can't. The years run together, but I'm pretty sure they only competed there for the nationals. But that was it. I don't know whatever happened to the place. So and then. For KOH, you missed... Uh... Yeah, so I came out in 09, and uh, I, I LCQ'd, and uh, they sent us up back door. They didn't go up resolution. We went up the Sand Hill, and then we did a big loop. I don't know, like a three-mile loop or something. Maybe not even that long, but I remember missing it by, like, two or three spots. And actually, Dave was like, hey, be ready because, you know, somebody could be broke. So it was funny. We woke up the next day ready to race and weren't in the race, but... About after you know we you you remember we parked all down the start finish line. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, and you came in. It was like a it was like a U, it was a little bit of a U turn because right. we would race through the trailers. That's back right. In that era, <laughs> well, how stupid was that? <laughs> after everybody took off, I was like, man, I didn't come here to do nothing. So we put our window nets on, put our helmets on, and we just tailed the field. And it was funny. We see a checkpoint. We'd kind of bypass it. The checkpoint people are waving, "Hey, get over here!" You know, this, no, you're going the wrong way. We're like, "Oh, we're cool, friend." You know, just keep going. Eventually, ran out of gas and got lost and. I had a blast and been hooked ever since. But so that was the year that Shannon came out and uh, Shannon got what he got DQ'd and came out and he ran the ran the yeah, course was, anyway. He had the transmission problem. Yeah, yeah, he burned the transmission up. So or something you, came back. Yeah, you and the Campbells just illegally. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> obviously nobody knew who I was. I was out there in like a beater Toyota buggy type thing and just having a blast. I remember that year getting just stuck in sunbonnet uh, behind Nicole Johnson. She had uh, oh, yeah. a, a blue torch car and just. 
just wedged it. And I remember there was the joke, like leading up to the race, like, Hey, if you get stuck, you're, you're a trail tampon and you're going to get <laughs> right. crawled over. Your hood's going to get used for traction. And I went over the top of Nicole oh, Johnson's gosh. hood. It was, it was that blue, that blue torch fab car. And uh, man, I felt really, really bad. Like I was like, that was the worst thing I've ever done. Now was that, and that was in your triple nickel. Yeah. The triple yes. nickel car. Okay. Yeah. That polished aluminum car. Yeah. I remember, I remember that car just being tall as tall and skinny for some reason. Oh, it'd fall over in its own shadow. Yeah, now so. I look back at like, what were we doing with those cars? But you had horsepower. Dude? I didn't. I had like, I literally, I, I went from the 22RE to a supercharged 3.8. And well, so. Yeah, you say that. I mean, I had horsepower, you know, not compared it. It was 400. It were right. ish. Which that was, I mean, it that was. was it, yeah. it seemed big. It was yeah. enough to get kind of the job done. But now here we are talking 900 horsepower, oh, 850 yeah. horsepower. I remember my last Ultra 4 car, I was. I think I was one of the first guys that made that jump into 700. And I was like 760, 770, and it was rowdy. It was stupid. It was way too much power. Now the guys are like 100, 150 horse more than that out here. I mean, yeah, it is crazy. What, in what year did you build your car? Uh, that last one. Yeah the the unicorn. Didn't you yeah, call it unicorn? Th- thirteen. Yeah, twelve, yeah, thirteen. You know, you're talking about have I made it every year? I faded out a little bit on the Ultra Four stuff because it got it got crazy expensive. And like I said, I didn't have a lot of money. So I think I think I missed ten. I got a. I came out in eleven. That was a whole other crazy story of how I got here in eleven. And I just I just recreated, and I think I was building this car, and then I can't remember. This is this car's seventh koh though. So I built this car, but I didn't quit racing. I was doing e- smaller series, e cores, a lot of stuff on the east coast. Traveling out west obviously takes a lot of money from South Carolina. And so, so. What, what's motivated you? What has been the thing that's kept your fire lit or the ebb and the flow of the fire to keep showing up and keep putting <sighs> in your hat and that, 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 that entry fee, keep mailing it in? Yeah, and, you know, it's literally full-wheeling has been my life. You know, I started this in high school, and even my life decisions have been based upon full-wheeling. I was telling you a story earlier. I uh, – you know, I graduated high school. I, I went and did electronics in college. Uh, There's no way I was going to get a four-year degree. Just wasn't that smart. Went for the two years. So glad I did. But when I got out of college, a buddy of mine was like, uh, "Hey, man, I got a job offer for you. You know, we're working like Monday through Thursday and putting in power lines in the ground." And I was like, uh, "Okay." Well, I was like, "Man, you mean we're off Friday, Saturday, Sunday?" I was like, "Awesome! I can go full wheeling Friday, Saturday, Sunday." So literally, I took that job, Pike Electric, putting in underground power, and. Uh, I had a degree, but I mean, being a lineman, you know, that, that moved into being a lineman, that's some tough work. So I kind of backed up, used my degree, made more money, and it was all about, I needed, you know, I probably, if I didn't full wheel, I probably would have just been fine being a lineman, but I kind of needed to go to the shop every night. I was so tired, and it's just, a, my life has evolved around full wheeling as far as needing more money to compete, needing more money. So I'm still in utilities, but I mean, I just. Well, I think the one thing that's was interesting about the guys that I've talked to is how few of them have college degrees and they're successful. How many of them have owned their own business and, but didn't set out to, I mean, even, even Dave Cole as recently as two weeks ago when I talked to him, he didn't set out to be this big entrepreneur. It happened though. Yeah. And that's me. Everything, like I said, that going back to that being off on the weekends, that just led me to going full wheeling and it's just personal goals. I mean, I'm not killing it. I'm not winning King of the Hammers, but you know, People know who we are. We're having a blast doing it. I involve my family, involve my friends, and and be honest with you, my my hobby. I, you know, I talk about owning your own business. I'd love to own a Jeep shop or something like that. But then I'm taking my hobby and turning it into a career, and that's hard. It is. That, I hard. love it you getting out. off work, 
eating dinner with the family. And when my wife and daughter go to bed, I go to the shop, man, and just I love it. I'm a gearhead. So well, so pre-interview we talked about you know you're not the guy that's out there looking for to put a 60k motor in his car, but you'd like I'd much rather spend that money on an RV so I can yeah. get my family involved, keep my friends involved. We got a place to stay, make it more our family. Well, and that's, our I, I'll be honest with you, know, everyone talks, the Lauren Healy story refinancing the house. It's like, that, that was a great decision for him. But at the same time, I think the reason I've been able to full wheel so long, I've never like jumped out of my, I've never went crazy in debt to, to full wheel. It was like, okay, you know, I understand I need a bigger motor, but hey, we're going to go out here. We're going to have a blast personal goals, let's say we're going to get a top 25 or a top 30, you know, that's a win for our team. This year we're, you know, top 20 in 4,400. I mean, 4,400 class, there's a lot of big people, that, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm just your average guy. I've, I work a regular job, and, man, we're just out here having a blast. Having and, a ball. Yeah, it's literally I've been having fun, you know, and then not even full-willing. You know, I got a JK. I take the family out to Colorado or go do this and go do that. Yeah, that's money I could put into my race team and, and be better, but at the same time, I – you get you burn yourself out. I'm good at not burning myself out. I guess you could say. I, I love that your formula for it because I burned myself <laughs> out twice and left literally threw in the towel t- two separate times, and then here I am. We're back, right back, and back, back at the hammers and doing something completely different, but still participating in my community, my friends, my family. You know, right. Like, you'll burn yourself out, but you're never going to get. And you know, good friends and and like going back to Tommy Glenn and them guys. I mean, it's just I've always had good friends. The guys with me now that are in my team right now, we've been going together for like five or six years. So, I mean, it's just a same group of people. You know, they pitch and they help. We're cooking. You know, everybody's got their own roles. You know, my buddy Z-Man, he cooks some awesome wings Wednesday night. Oh, I'll be over. We're going to be over there. Team Indiana, we're going to kill it Wednesday night. But uh, And that's it. It's like, yeah, the race, but I'm looking forward to the party Wednesday night. So, I mean, and the crazy thing about me, I don't drink. I've never drank. So it's kind of that's one weird thing about me. I don't drink, but man, I'm I'm the life of the party. I just love having a good time. So that's funny you bring that up the the, the not drinking because that's uh you know that's kind of the culture you know, sit around the campfire and have a few beers and relax and stuff. But I actually stopped drinking back in November and I, I quit drinking because of diabetes. I just <laughs> I, I didn't like the blood sugar. I didn't like some other stuff that was going on. But I I find it you know heavily heavily hard uh to do in this environment one my mind is trained to go do that right so i just carry around a yeti i just keep filling waters in it <laughs> and then feel like hey you you about out let me go get you another beer right. and I'm, I'm like no no i'm good i'm good as i like walk around the corner and dump more water right. into my yeti. well and that's comes back to just ex- i don't it's funny we were talking earlier i don't hunt i don't fish i don't really have any other hobbies than four wheel and so i mean all my money goes towards four wheeling. So well, that's not entirely true. Right. You live literally near in Clemson, South Carolina. And so you can't live in Clemson, South Carolina and not talk Clemson football. Yeah, and you know, we were talking about that earlier. I'm I watch it because I mean if you go to work and don't talk about Clemson football or you're not I mean you're just They look at you like you have three yeah, heads. Yeah, nobody's talking about King of the Hammers or, you know, forty inch tires or this and that, you know. So yeah, I I pay attention to it, but like we were talking earlier, I'm from Florida, big Dan Marino fan, Miami Dolphins, but they kind of suck for a long time now. So we don't. There's, but yeah, I I, I do. I, we've touched on this on multiple sh- multiple episodes of the guys that are into f- this four wheeling tend to not be ball sport guys. You know, they tend to be 
you know, this uh, hunting fishing guys. And you're like, I'm not either. You know, I'm more right. I'm, I'm in the shop. I need to put a TV in my shop because I was trying to watch, you know, the playoffs. And, you know, I don't even have a TV in my shop. And we were just, that was crunch time, you know. Dude, so I, I would I would st- tell you, I don't have a TV in my shop either. I would tell you, you should stay away from that. I actually <laughs> want to get, uh, like, a signal blocker for my shop. So, like, I don't even have Wi-Fi. I don't have anything. It, it, because I find as I set down a tool... I'll pull my phone out to check a text uh, yeah. message, and then hearing Jason Shearer talk. I talk, was just about to say, I remember yeah. that same thing. I don't have internet. I just put a router in my shop. This this prep, and it's literally for streaming Pandora or music. That's literally what it's for. It's it's crappy service. So, but anyways, yeah. So I know. Yeah, it's uh, these things that have intru- this technology that's intruded our life, and it's time sucks and uh, <laughs> efficiency sucks. But you know, yeah, I I've, I love that. <laughs> I I just didn't. It flat floored and in love with the fact that you have been able to stay so engaged for 20 years and that's that's really for me where there's something however you're wired in your head I think that's and, I, I think you're restraint build, building relationships you know I, I mean we're not like I said we're not going to come out here and win I mean we're not going to win the king of the hammers but at the same time people know that sponsors know that hey there's Chris May's been doing it forever so I mean, I feel like I've built a lot of relationships, even even meeting you. You know what I'm you're saying? Known, I mean, you're a known quantity. So. Yeah. So I mean, we we don't have enough sponsor help for sure, but we'd like to get more sponsor help. But at the same time, we're we're professional about motorsports, you know. But man, we're just we're living the lifestyle of having fun. We're gonna be there. We're gonna have fun, and and come say hey, come hang out. And we're just we're just regular people, man. Well, so. I feel like you're a, a, an ambassador for the sport. That w- anyone that's been around this long, you have to be walking the walk and talking the talk yeah i just i feel like the regular guy that that's still in the 4400 class believe me it's hard to stay in the 4400 class because you know my car is set this is at seventh koh you know dave was talking about that 4800 class i mean that that class has my car written all over it i could throw single shocks and 37s on it but then what kind of stories you know it's like if i finish top 20 i've beaten 80 of the best drivers in the world in, on, the, world. in the big race that's what I'm, like i'm racing friday on the big race you know what i'm saying and so, I think there, there's absolute value in that to yeah. for mental. For it, me, it's personal mentally, value. Yeah, yeah personal value. And just, I, I, I would struggle lining up in, in stock. Nothing against the stock classes. We are all wired differently. But I feel like if I want to, if I, if it, I'm talking about personal challenges, if I'm going to climb a mountain, I want to go climb Everest. I don't, I'm not out there climbing mountains. But if I'm going to race, I feel like I would need to do it at that high level. And I, I can't do yeah, it. I, so and that's me. And I got it like oh nine and got in. There was only one class, so obviously we were shooting for that one class. And yeah, they've the classes of, I mean forty four hundred class has gotten stupid, but I'm still in it. I'm relevant. You know what I'm saying? We're oh no, I, you're I know fully. how to. Well, we in the we prep. I pretty much prep my. Own, I mean prep everything. I build the motors. I build the transmissions. I'm not a fab guy. My co-driver Jason, he's been doing a lot of the fab work. Tommy Glenn built the chassis, which you know Tommy. My basically, I got a shop in my backyard now. I used to work at my buddy's shop. So, but you know, I can keep a car together and I know how to prep a car. So the thing that I can absolutely tell and not without question is your commitment. And it's guys like Eric Miller as well for commitment. When you guys are willing to drive all the way from the East coast, I mean, you're spitting distance from that, from the Eastern seaboard and you're driving all the way out here to California. You're talking three days on the road, three days of looking in the windshield and what's funny, you know, be, me being the regular guy, people people are like, how do you get so much time off work? How do you do this? People don't realize. So I work Monday through Thursday. I still work 410s. That's like if I get a job offer, it has to be 410s, you know. And, you built uh, your life around it. Yeah, I literally – I've built my life around four-wheeling. So that Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. But look, Thursday at 530 when I get off work, the little dang RV's running. And we jump in it. 
and you know, you talk about three days out here. We we stopped three times on the way out here in the RV. That's what you're talking about. That RV was a big investment yeah. that could have went, you know, made the race car better, but it made life so much better having an RV. You know, your buddy's piling it, you're sleeping, you're cooking. We one shotted it here the whole way. So and was, we do that to a lot of events. And I've run into you right at the gate. We, yep, ca- that- we we got to the hammers at the exact same time. I walked in right behind you. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, and you and I left Thursday. I left. I wanted to leave at five thirty. I left about seven o'clock Thursday from South Carolina p.m. So we got here at the same time. And I know you live a lot closer than me. So. Oh, I stuck. Well, I I, <laughs> yeah. I got stuck behind in a blizzard. They closed the highway for five hours on me, and then uh, okay. But then I slept a bunch. Yeah. So that's yeah. I mean, two hours at a time here and there. But yeah, it's and drove the pre runner. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, drove the pre- yeah, it's all good for about 200 miles of tiny old gas tank, and right. that thing gets 11 miles to the gallon. I, I should have really trailered it, but... <laughs> What's the, the fun in that? I'm not the smartest guy. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, man. So this week, you're out here, KOH 2020. What are your goals? Well, our goals, you know, it's funny. In years past, about, oh, let's qualify top 25. Well, we were just talking about the big motor stuff, you know, 850, 900 horsepower, Last year, I think our goal was to qualify, like, top 30 or something. And, man, we got, like, 59th, which I didn't push the issue. But we've got about 680 horsepower in this car. I'd like to qualify top 45-ish. But then we did some pre-run. There's a lot of rocks. I want to go pre-run some more. The harder the course is, the better it is for me. Yeah, you're much. You are, you're a rock-calling yeah, guy. Yeah, back you in the day. You read them well. Exactly. So, and, I feel, and I drive the car smart enough to keep it together, but a top – a top 15 would be an absolute epic win for our team, but realistically, a top 25. And and personally, this course right here, if you if you change a flat, you're still good for a top 25. But you have, if you don't break anything and stay in your car, maybe change one flat out in the field, I think you're still going to be guaranteed probably a top, maybe a top 15, top 18. So that's what I think. I think you're spot on. Yeah. Yeah, and you drive you drive smart. Keep it. Keep your head on your shoulders. Who's your co-driver? So my co my co driver in years past has been Jason Dean. He uh, he actually is the one to help me prep the car. You know, does more all the welding and fabricating. But he got sick. He's actually not here. So it's kind of I we right now. What's funny is I actually had this year. I plan on doing co two co drivers. One for the rocks. One for the fast lap. But my co driver Jason he got sick. Um, so he ain't gonna be here. So I might have to have the rock guy ride all the laps. So which will be. I've had Jason's been my co-driver for about man maybe four or five years, so it, it's kind of it's, it's going to be, be different. interesting. Yeah, it's going to be yeah, interesting, yeah. but it's a testament to how hard KOH is in the rocks. Because man, it's I mean, I'll be honest with you, you I'm not in that good of shape. I mean, I, I'm not in good shape. I could not get out of that car and run around with my helmet on. And you know, you got to leave the helmet on. That's he's like, you run out with a three layer fire suit on and your helmet on, dude. Just getting out of the car, you're gassed. Yep. So, I mean, I heard, you know, Jason Shear talk about his co-driver, I think Jason Berger, where he's like a CrossFit guy or something. It makes sense. I mean, literally, I hate to say it, but you almost need like an athlete, somebody physically trained athlete to be your co-driver at King and of the Hammers. Berger, right now, we're, the UTV race is going on right now. Berger is in with Shannon Campbell. He's Shannon Campbell's co-driver in today's gotcha. race. But you're talking about co-drivers. I heard, you know, Tom Liu was co-driving for Terry Madden in today's race. Didn't make it in the... They were pre-running and doing some qualifying stuff. They did a little bit of a desert loop, and Tom puked in his helmet. Oh, he, so, can't, he well, can't handle whoops. That's so. It's so funny because obviously, as long as I've been racing, well, guess what? I want to try some co-driving. Or, which I've actually the UTV race is all these guys are doing it because it's a perfect practice race speed and all that. Well, I got a buddy. I got somebody's doing a UTV race right now, and uh, they asked me to co-drive. I was like, heck yeah! Well, back east, 
Actually, I take it back. I think I got in the car at KOH, and perfect. I'm fine. The whoops, no problems. Go back east, jump in the car. I don't know if it's the mud or the pine trees. The trees going I'm by hurling. here. I'm hurling. So, I I don't know if I'm a good co-driver. I mean, I want to be because I mean it's it's part of the sport. I love it. I love doing it. But yeah, I know exactly where Tom loses at. I've I have thrown up. Yeah, before Tom had done years years of driving, and it just didn't work out for that's him what, yesterday. That's me. I, look how long I've been driving, and it's like, what's going on with me, man? So. So yeah, that co-driver co-drivers are tough, man. They got to be a certain breed. So oh, they've got to mentally talk you down off about ten thousand ledges. Yep, yep. They've got to keep you up paced. Right, and well, and too, and it's so funny. The biggest thing about a co-driver out here, you're like, oh, look at these views, or you're racing somebody, and they want to watch the race. They need to be looking at the screen because it's it's all I business. Well, that, and I can't tell you how many times we've been racing somebody in front of us and talking like, hey, that's so and so, and then. A mile, they realized they went the wrong way, and then we looked down at the map and we're like, son of a gun, we went the wrong way too. And it's like, we followed if them. we would have done, if you'd have been looking at the screen, we would have got, you know, passed them a long time ago. So, yeah. That that happens. I mean, that oh, guy's yeah. the, the, truly, the, that's the skill set in the car. I mean, the driver, right. oh, not, not downplaying driving. I love it. It's fun, it, but it's steering wheel. <laughs> right. Great gas and some shifting. <clears throat> that guy's looking in mirrors. He's reading terrain. He's judging what's going on in the gps he's ensuring if you're coming up on somebody he's running the siren he's making sure the lights are on he's making sure fans are on he's watching temps he's watching oil pressure yeah and he's got to be it's funny with this lead nav and mob armor software now he's got to be like a software guru because i'll be honest with you, i played with it yesterday because he wasn't here and man you know it's a lot going on with the whole you know satellite gps connecting to the ipad keeping the ipad charged there's a lot going on in that co-driver seat now that back in the day he was probably drinking beers the night before or maybe oh, yeah. even had one before he got in the car who yeah. knows <laughs> no and making sure to wipe the gopro yeah i mean yeah just, yeah now it's crazy just, how and i'm sure there's been some friendships over the whole co-driving thing because it's like hey man you know, I need an athlete in the car. Or there's a lot of business decisions out here for these lot of top teams. Even me, I mean, I'm not like I said, we're not going to go out there and win. But man, there's some hard decisions and stuff you got to make. You know, to push. To, yeah, it used to, to be progress it. It used to be you just let your buddy get in the coder and say, "Hey, you want right. to go riding with me?" Right. Well, now or, it's like that guy's that guy's like he's like an office manager. Yeah, but, I mean, but he's really. got, he's got to keep everything kind of going and everything That's checked right. and everything balanced and at the same time still be able to jump out of the damn car and change a tire or get out and pull winch cable. Exactly oh right. man. I, I don't, I don't aspire to be a co-driver <laughs> right. on any level based on that. But yeah, there's some there's some guys out there that are certainly have built themselves into be just amazing amazing co-drivers. And a driver too. It's funny. I run into Bailey Cole on the trail yesterday, and he was telling me, "Oh, I'm doing I'm doing this race. I'm doing that race." And I'm like, "Gosh, I, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape." And man, after a race with that helmet on, just beating around and. I'm give out. So he's also twenty. Yeah, true. That's true too. But man, I see a lot of guys doing these three, and they're racing every day. And hats off to them because it's tough. So yeah, I I I couldn't do it. Oh, so Chris, we're talking about your family, and I know you have a daughter. I know you guys all recreate together. How old's your daughter? My daughter's seven years old. And if I heard right, you actually are working her into the racing scene and incorporating her into. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how that happened. I mean, I obviously we go full wheeling a lot and everything, but uh, these little Razor One Seventies have really taken off, and uh, all the all the series are starting to have them races. So, I mean, of course, I was like, man, I got to get my daughter a little One Seventy. And uh, but yeah, she's done. Last year was her full first full season of it, and it's crazy. Her first race. Well, I rode in the car with her a couple times to coach her, but she was like, Dad, you need to get out of the car. That's why we're losing. You know, you're slowing you're me down. Big. Well, it's funny. The first race I got out of the car, she was by herself, you know, all that good stuff. 
they wet the track down, and I guess we really hadn't practiced drifting or spinning, so she did the gas and she'd spin. Well, she finished almost like a lap behind everybody, and then the next race we beat one kid, and then the next she basically at the end of the season there was only like two kids that were doing better than her, and we really hadn't put a lot of money into so the car. So she just yeah, she's growing, and me and my wife it's my wife's into horses, and it's almost like a it's a family battle of you know. Does she like horses better? Or does she like UTV racing better? But, you know, we're kind of giving her both and, you know, just making her well-rounded. She, she can have it. both. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I, I argue with my wife that the horses are more expensive. She says, no, the racing's more expensive. I said, look, when the race car breaks, we put it in the garage and we don't touch it for a couple of weeks. The horses, you got to feed them every, every day. Every day. <laughs> so it teaches her good uh, responsibility. So... Well, I, I think that's exciting. I'm yeah. I'm kind of almost in the same boat. I have a 12-year-old son, but I can't get him. He's not really in a – he's baseball, baseball, baseball all the time. Yeah, I, and I would love to have him in a razor. And he's right at that, that, that point where a 170 is way too small for him. Yep. But I can't put him in, you know, like an 800 or a 900 or well, a 1,000. Well, and it's, it's evolving because I think, you know, they got the 170s, then they got the, like the 170s modifieds. But now, you know, the next step They've is 570s, 570s. Which, you know, dang, a 570 is more than an 800 or 900. So, I mean, it's cool to see where that comes you know on the west coast i see a lot of them kids they're, they're you know they're building full tube chassis for them things and but <clears throat> well driving out here to meet you caleb and i ran into adam woodley yeah oh i just i passed him coming in here i coming to the laser town I he had the redneck rocket up. ship yep. out yeah yep. and the, you know crane and wide open design and i need to follow up with him but he was working on Razor chassis, like he was going to roll out his own oh, brand yeah. of it. And but I'm, if we get into some, hey, Adam, let's do some little kid kid chassis. Yeah, there's people out there doing it. Nobody on the East Coast, I think. But you'll see. I think that's going to be that's going to be the stepping stone. And believe me, my daughter wanted to come out here to KOH, but, you know, a week off from school. and But she's going to be out here with me one day. We'll race together. I, I told her, she's like, when am I going to get to co-drive with you? I said, no, I want to race with you. <laughs> so that's, that's my the, goal is to race with her, and that's – so it's so cool to share that with your kids and share that with your family and to see their successes that they become your successes exactly oh yeah and and you know we were talking earlier i mean a thousand dollars in a razor 170 man you're like whoo a thousand dollars in this 4400 car is nothing so it's like a tire and a wheel yes, <laughs> I, I, the joy of of putting money in her car and making her go faster it's it's literally more joy than me racing so i mean i, I love it man so, i'm right behind you yeah <laughs> all right well, man, Chris, I love getting you on the, uh, uh, just catching up and getting you on the show, getting you on the podcast. We'll see, you know, some of these clips air on the live stream. We'll get this uh, up on uh, the podcast stream sometime next week, probably. But man, dude, thank you for, for taking some time out of the busy Hammers week and sitting down and capturing a little bit of your story. I know you and I could sit here and talk. Oh yeah, two hours, for, three hours. We, yeah, because every everything you've talked about in the podcast in the last what sixteen, seventeen episodes, I was like, oh man, I remember that. I was there, you know. So but yeah, it's great catching up with you doing this and, and yelling at the radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, no, it was this way. That's right. I mean, my Monday morning commutes to work. I'm I'm who's on the show or I'm I'm listening to the show. So I appreciate you doing this and inviting me on. So I, I appreciate it, man. Well, I think in the future I'm going to have to do. We're going to have to get a full, non abbreviated session. <laughs> All right, and we'll sit down and we'll make it happen. Well, man, Chris, yeah. good luck this week. All right, thanks, Good luck man. on Friday. Good luck in qualifying. 
I'm going to be pulling for you for a, for a top 45 in qualifying, and uh, I want to see you top 15 in a finish. Yeah, I think it's know. fully within your grasp. I, you guys, I told Miles my goal this year, I told Miles, was to finish early enough where he's on stage. You know what I'm saying? So so I don't know when he goes off stage, but I want to finish in the daylight and Miles, Miles give me an interview. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's my goal. I love that guy. <laughs> uh, he's good stuff. Well, thank you again. All, All right. right, man. Thank We're you, out. Man. See ya. Thank you for listening and taking a dive into The Talent Tank. Please like and subscribe on Instagram at The Talent Tank or our website, thetalenttank.com.